Hey there, you're listening to the Not So Breakfast Show with Sasha Endish. Welcome to the podcast today, the podcast for career development and contemporary leadership. And today we are talking about getting started before you are ready. In a race they say, ready, set, go. And it is two words too many for us. We want to get rid of ready and set and just go. But how do you build your confidence and take those opportunities? That's what we're discussing today. Plus, I do think Sasha's making sense. Am I making any sense at all? (laughs) No, you are. You're definitely making sense. Well, I'm not sure what tangent I went off on. And sometimes if we're comparing ourselves to someone else who's got a soap that is doing really well, and then you go, oh, well, mine's not that great because of X. But anyway, this episode's full of gold. Let's get it. All right, welcome to Not So Breakfast Show today. And this is the one about starting before you are ready. That is a freaky thing to do sometimes because we just don't feel ready. But if we don't get started, well, sometimes you dismiss the boat, lose the opportunity and someone else gets it. So we're going to unpack things to get you ready to take on opportunities. And although it may be scary, scary is sometimes good, isn't it, Sasha? Scary is so good. I was speaking just before I went up to the States. I spoke at a New Zealand tourism industry event and you can imagine our borders have been closed and we're getting everybody ready for the fact that the tourists are coming the people are coming and we have to be able to surprise and delight and entertain and give everybody an amazing kiwi welcome so i shared the story about how i think when you get ready for something like a reopening event it's like athletics day at school and i don't know what it was like at your school, Ashford. We used to have running races and all the parents would be on the embankment and we'd be all lined up and the starter of the running races would say, on your marks, get set, go. And then they'd get their wooden clapper together like a starting gun. It was just two bits of wood that they banged together. Did they have that at your school? Well, actually, we had a proper starting pistol. Oh, fancy. I know. Flash, man. We had a guy with two bits of wood. When I was about six, I might have told you this already, I'm lining up for the running race and the guy goes, on your marks, get set. And then this voice comes from where the parents are sitting and it's this woman yelling like a fishmonger. And she yells, go, Sash! <laughs> and it was my mum. I was like, oh, I was like six years old, getting ready to run. Must have been 50 metres. So the starter had to stop and go, okay, everybody back. Quiet in the cheap seats. <laughs> On your marks, get set, go. So at this tourism industry event, I was talking about that. You're now businesses. We've got to get on your marks. How do you get ready? How do you get set? Mm. Ready, set, go. All of those ideas. And what we're talking about today is actually not ready, set, go. (laughs) It's actually the race has started. Go. (laughs) Go. (laughs) And and I think some of the ideas that that you want to share in particular, because, I mean, you are so good at this stuff, is just get started. Get going before you are ready. Don't wait for the feeling of being prepared and ready to come. We should just actually start. That's kind of what you're on about, right? Yeah, that's right. And really, I guess the first point I kind of want to bring up uh, around this is that action creates clarity. Uh, because sometimes we don't start something because we go, well, I haven't got all the bits lined up or I haven't got all the information. But actually, once you start, that really starts to come in 
pretty quickly because momentum is happening and again saying that again action creates clarity if you want to get clear on something well let's just get in there let's just roll our sleeves up because you're going to get some clarity pretty quickly I love the idea that you can't think your way out of a maze oh that's great and I think it's the same thing like if you're stuck in a maze you go I think I could go this way oh I think I could go that way Nothing changes while you think about it. The only way to get out of the maze is to actually take some action and to mm. investigate and to explore which is your way out. And, and I think this is a little bit like you know driving anywhere where you go, oh, I wonder if this way will be faster. Well, you're never going to know until you actually get started or even – even and maybe this analogy isn't going to work because I'm just trying it on live for the first time. What about when you're dating, right? So you're on Tinder and you go, oh, I wonder what they're like. I wonder what they're like. And if all you do is wonder, you're not going to find out. You take action, and in the first five minutes of being at a bar with them, you're like, oh no, I have the clarity now. <laughs> <laughs> I have the clarity, and we need to draw this to a close. <laughs> <laughs> you are not the one for me. But you'd never know that if all you do is think about it or pontificate or yeah, spend yep. too much time in your head. Yeah, well, I think a lot of businesses ended up in this as a default of COVID. Like we just had to make decisions and there was no clarity. It was all grey. But as we started to make steps, things started to become a reality or we had more information and then we could make better decisions. But to just stand there, head in the sand, going, Oh, it's like paralyzed because I, I just can't make a decision because I don't have all the information. Well, that's not helping. So I think there are times where the action will create the clarity for you and then you use your experience to make decisions and tweak and adjust as you go through. It's almost like that fail fast philosophy, really. Do you know the actual way to get out of a maze every single time? Did you Do you know the strategy? Please tell me. Okay, so there's a strategy to solving mazes and it's, if you're in really complex mazes, all you have to do is just pick a side and stick to it. So if you pick the left-hand side, you just stick to the left-hand wall because if you go into a dead end, you just keep following the wall around and then you find your way out. So you'll end up walking every possible scenario within the maze, but you'll get your way out as opposed to just going blindly in there and just turning, 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 and then you can't remember where you've actually come from where you what you, decisions you made so that is actually the uh the maze escape plan there you go you're welcome people that sounds really logical really amazing and like something i'll never remember to do i will just run around in a blind panic just screaming screaming <laughs> panic The other question you might want to ask yourself is, you go, well, I do want to start before I'm ready, but how do I get myself to take action? Like, what's it going to take to get me started and sort of unpack that? Because if you if you are paralysis by analysis, not even making any moves, you want to make the move, but maybe just do a little bit of analyzing. Like, what is it going to take for me to take the first step? Like, what's the first action that I could put in place? Yeah, I love that idea of knowing what the first step is and also being able to identify what it is that's stopping you from getting started. And I think sometimes it's because we are looking for perfection or we're waiting for that feeling of being ready 
or I know so many people who don't give themselves permission to try stuff because they're like, I just got to do one more course or one more qualification or one more validation or one more test. And we're always putting this one more thing in Mm. front of us. And if we can recognize what it is that's A, stopping us from getting started, but B, if we just can identify what the first step is, which I think is what you're talking about now, just break everything down into the smallest possible chunk and say, just do that thing right now. Just the first thing. Uh, and I know, uh, you know young people these days, and I include myself in the young people category. I don't of course know you if, do, you know, Sasha. You know, but, I, but I'm not yet 60. So <laughs> on that basis, young people, we've got this thing about not making phone calls. And I know we've talked about this with our kids yeah. before. It's like, oh. That, uh, why, why would you be so aggressive and ring me on the telephone when you could text? So there's this whole aversion to making a phone call. And if you think about it, you go, so what's the first step in making a phone call? And so I've encouraged myself when I've got phone calls to make. This sounds so silly, but it's an example of getting that first step lined up is I actually just have the phone number in front of me. I just have a look. Here's the three calls I've got to make today. I'm going to write out the person's name, the phone number, and then it's not like there's a barrier of, oh, I've, I don't know where the number is. I've got to find It's right there. That's yeah. my first step. And then once I've done that, I'm like, what's your next step? And what's the next step after that? And when we break stuff down into the smallest little things, they become much more achievable. Yeah. So why do you think some people won't put themselves forward for an opportunity maybe until they're what they perceive as ready? Because maybe we talk about the perception of being ready for a start. But also, you know, I, I, maybe there is a, an opportunity to get involved in a project or get involved in something. And you go, oh, yeah, but there's just other people that are better at it than me, or I, I haven't quite got the skill set, so maybe I won't put myself forward, rather than actually, well, if you put yourself forward, you're going to learn that skill set, or you're going to be forced into an opportunity where you're going to have to learn that skill set. I think one of the things that holds us back sometimes is our misguided belief in what it takes to get really good at something or what it takes to be successful. So we presume that because a person can do something now, they were able to do it before they were in the position that they are in now or before they did the project. So if you think about, let's take a sports analogy, uh, rugby's a big sport here in New Zealand. You think about the Black Ferns, uh, the All Blacks, these are our top teams. And you'll have players who go, I'm not ready to be an All Black yet because I, I'm not demonstrating the level of skill that's currently being demonstrated. And yet for the players who are already in those positions, part of that high level of skill or playing under pressure that they've developed, they only get that by being in the top team in the first place. Mm. So some of the things that we get good at, we can only get good at once we've started. There's nothing we can do to prepare, but we think We've got to be ready for it. Am I making yeah. any sense at all? <laughs> no, you are. You're definitely making sense. Is it also because some people just have a, a fear of failing that they think if they're not going to be good at it that first time, that people will either judge them or that they they just can't cope with that type of feedback that they may be getting? Yeah, absolutely. And when you've d- expressed that as if people aren't good at something, I actually think people make the bar much higher for themselves. That we're not even saying, oh, I just want to be good at public speaking. We're saying to ourselves, unless I am amazing at public Mm. speaking, I won't do it. 
Yeah. And my point is you're never going to get amazing at public speaking unless you start public speaking. That's right. You're never going to get good at playing under pressure until you put yourself in a game where you have to play under pressure. Lots of the high-performing skills that we aspire to can only be learned on the job. Mm. And that's part of starting before you're ready. That's part of what it's about. It's saying get yourself in the arena, get yourself in the game, and then you're going to develop the things you need to be worthy of being there. There's no other place to learn them. You can't learn them theoretically. We'll be right back. Do you spend too much time planning out and then freaking out about your upcoming presentations? Then the 30-minute presenter program is for you. With our audio-based training program, you can literally learn the art of presenting while walking, driving, or even in the bath. Imagine Sasha and I right there with you. Well, not in the bath, but in your ears, unpacking our 40 years of combined experience in this impactful upskill. Learn to craft messages that matter, engage an audience, and overcome those nerves. So join the 30-minute presenter program. The link is in the show notes. Get started today. Well, we had an example of that in sport the other day with the uh, female netball team played the men's netball team. I don't know if you got to, to see that. I didn't see it. What happened? Uh, well, Am I going to like this story? <laughs> you, well, I, I, I'm nervous. Probably not. <laughs> the, okay. The men's netball team did beat the women's netball team. But it, it's mainly because the men's team is a lot more physical. Yes. And the way they play is more physical. For those of you that don't know what netball is, netball is a predominantly women's sport. However, there is a men's division, uh, but they never play together. But some of the players in the women's team after unpacking it, saying how privileged they were to play against the men's team because that's the physicality that they need to get used to when they do go up against teams they haven't played before. So they even recognise... Like the Australians. Yeah, like the Australian, the Australian women play like men. Is that that's what you're saying? pretty much what I'm saying. Awesome. Yeah. So for, for them to actually take that risk, and it's all publicised. So, you know, when you're the top female team in New Zealand playing against a men's division team, there must be a certain amount of risk that you're thinking, well, what if we lose? You know, what, what does that say? Well, it doesn't say anything. It just says you lost that game and only lost for about three goals or something like that. But at the end of the day, what they gained from that loss was massive because it was just a different dynamic to the game. Absolutely. You want to be in the arena playing against the best. That's how we get better. Yeah. Put yourself out there. And that whole fear of failure thing, I get it. I feel it myself. What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not? And we have to develop those techniques and skills for pushing through that and getting past it and just understanding the arrogance of wanting to be perfect all the time. Yeah. But also that that comes from this deep sense of somehow our self-worth is tied to our performance. And I love having my self-worth being attached to how willing I am to learn, how willing I am to get things wrong, the fact that I want to try stuff. I want to elevate that as being something that's worthy. And if I aspire to that, that means I have to give stuff a go. Yeah. And do you think it changes throughout our lives? Because as kids, you seem to have kids that try everything. And some kids even think they're awesome at something, even though they completely aren't. <laughs> but then that definitely changes, I think, as we get into adulthood. We get a, either a fear to try or so many experiences of failure that maybe that becomes one of the 
soundtracks of our lives that we we tell ourselves. Why, why do you think that becomes such a reality as we become adults? It's hugely related to what happens to us when we have learning experiences as we grow up. So if we have learning experiences that are positive and, hey, we got that one wrong, but here's what I learned and that was great. And if, and if that's what our model of learning has been in our family environments and our schools and our first jobs that we have, then we have this constant reinforcement that being wrong but learning is mm. important and good and valued if you've been through a system that says, you know, you're stupid, failure is bad, that's not the right way how to spell that word, you got that maths question wrong. And so what that encourages people to do is to hide. Yeah. To hide their failures or to hide their mistakes or to even categorize being wrong or learning as a failure as opposed to it just being part of a process. So a bunch of us has, have to do some retraining around what we believe about being wrong or about not succeeding at the first attempt, yeah. not succeeding at the second attempt. And, and there's a bit of work in that for some of us to do. But recognizing that is a really good thing. So if you're about to start something and you go, oh, I'm not ready, have a listen to why it is you think that you're not ready to do it and just challenge yourself and go, is being ready a prerequisite for the thing I'm about to do? So a good example of that, I think, is something like bungee jumping. <laughs> I'm not ready to bungee jump yeah. because I don't want to and I'm scared. <laughs> but there's, there's no more preparation I need to do. No, that's there's right. Nothing, there's nothing that's going to stop me. I could start bungee jumping before I'm ready. Mm. It's not a skill gap. I can recognize it's just a fear gap. So I think if you can identify the nature of what it is that's holding you back, that's your first step to overcoming it. Yeah. And often the pressure and a little bit of the anxiety around starting something, it, it puts a deadline on it. So if you do put your hand up for something just slightly before you're ready, you are more likely to prioritize the practice in order to get good at it, as opposed to oh, well, I, I do want to do that at some stage. I'll, I'll practice until I've earned the right or I have the perception of being good enough uh, to take that opportunity. But because the pressure's not there, you don't. And then the next opportunity comes up and you're not ready for that one either. So you let that go. And then the next opportunity comes up and then you're not ready for that one either. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, then the excuses sink in, right? Well, I'm just too old now. And, and that's what you and I love about the, the public mm. speaking opportunities. We say to people, if you want to get better at public speaking, if, if, if that's a thing that, that you want to improve, get yourself a public speaking opportunity. Commit to speaking at your youth group. Say that you're going to speak at your church. Offer to do a seminar at your work. Be the presenter at an awards ceremony that your company is sponsoring. Put a date out there and that is your deadline for getting better. That's it. And I think when you really understand that even the failures that you experience along the way are part of that journey, anyone you see in the top position, any sports person, any speaker, any business person, is there because of everything they've learned, but also because of all the failures and the wins that they've had. But I guarantee they learned more from the failures. And we've all been in the presentation where your mind goes blank and you're fully exposed and it's like, oh, well, that was awkward. But it's just life. That's just the way it is. And then you practice to get good so that that doesn't happen again in the future. And you think that you will never recover. You think that everybody in the audience will remember that day for the rest of their lives. You are the <laughs> only person that remembers that day. No one else is spending any time no, thinking about fine. you. <laughs> so I've moved on. 
One of the things we've talked about in the show before is imposter syndrome. And really imposter syndrome is a little bit around that feeling that, oh, you know, uh, I'm not ready or today's the day everyone figures out that I'm not quite as good as I've been portraying or, or I might get exposed and then everyone will know I'm, I'm not qualified for the job that I do. It's a real thing. Like, it's got a syndrome. <laughs> so I'm just going to say it's a real thing that people struggle with. But that can be one of those uh, self-limiting beliefs that really stop us stepping forward or taking action on something because we're already telling ourselves a narrative that we shouldn't be in the room or we shouldn't be there. You need to overcome that and understand that it's a reality for so many people. But people do move through that and have that thought process and still take opportunities that are presented to them. Yeah, I keep I keep coming back to that, uh, you know, the message that we shared in our last episode just don't worry about the feeling. Just do it anyway. Mm. Because there's lots of uh, techniques that you can go through to build up your sense of self-worth, to overcome imposter syndrome, to understand where it comes from, how layered it is in our society, how gendered it is, all of that stuff. And there are good resources that you can find. You can just Google overcoming imposter syndrome. Mm. There'll be a ton of things that can help you. And I don't want to diss any of those helpful things, but I also want to give you a really simple shortcut. And the simple shortcut is every time you feel imposter syndrome, just go, oh, yeah, this is imposter syndrome. I know what it feels like, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to do the thing anyway. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I don't care how I feel today. I'm just going to go anyway. It's radical. It's revolutionary. And it takes a, a bit of getting your head around it, but it works. Yeah. And sometimes just starting on something is a way to test if something's a good idea because you're going to get feedback really, really quickly. <laughs> so I think by just making a decision, you go, well, what's the first step I could do? I'm just going to do it. I'm going to test this idea, see if it's something that I want to pursue as opposed to not making taking any action at all. And then really your only decision to do or not do something was based on a thought, not actually any evidence. And, and nothing real. I, I think what's really important when you do that testing thing, I'm going to test the market or I'm going to test this idea, is to make sure you don't just have a sample size of one in your test. So you go, oh, I talked to my neighbor about buying this new soap that I'm making and they weren't interested. So I'm just going to stop now. As if your neighbor is the only person in the world who might have wanted to purchase your homemade soap. Yeah. So I, I, I'm all for get started, put the idea out there, but I would rather you put a small idea out into multiple channels with multiple people to get more varied feedback They'd work really hard on something and just ask one person what they think. I mean, the history of books and films is littered of it with examples of creators who got so many knockbacks. They sent their book to X number of agents mm. and they all said no. They pitched their film. They tried to get their film made for 15 years and no one would touch it. And now it's been made and it's a classic. I mean, those are the stories that we all love. They are real don't give up stories. But in essence, they are someone testing the market, getting some feedback, tweaking it maybe, or sometimes just having the self-belief to say, you are not the only person that might buy my soap. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. And sometimes if we're comparing ourselves to someone else who's got a soap that is doing really well, and then you go, oh, well, mine's not that great because 
of X. So that whole comparison thing. But actually, you may just need to niche down on your market. Your soap may just be for this type of person. And when you identify exactly who that person is, there's heaps of them out there. I mean, how often have we been at presentations and we're speaking and... 90% of the room absolutely loved everything we talked about and there was just a few people in the room that didn't and they they give you some feedback and then you're just like devoted by the one or two people that didn't like it and it just outweighs the fact that all these other people have been giving you positive affirmation, absolutely loving what you do. You know, obviously the message just wasn't for those people at that time, but the message was there for the people that absolutely loved it in the room. Ah, That is so true. So true that there are whatever you are selling, whether it's yourself, whether it's a product, whether it's a service, you just have to find uh, the people who want it. And and you find it by going to market soon and quick and before you're ready, before you're ready, get out there, push the thing out there uh, to get some feedback and some validation. So we're really talking about the fact that if you're going to start something, it's okay that you're not ready for it. Sometimes just starting it will give you the clarity that you need. Taking action provides that clarity. Sometimes just starting things will give you feedback that you need to see if it's actually a good idea. Sometimes just starting will build your confidence because you'll prove to yourself that you are successful in things that you're not yet a master in, but you're competent enough to be heading in the right direction. And that imposter syndrome that you sometimes experience We all experience that at the end of the day in some form or another, but really our advice is just do it. Just do it. I don't think you're going to look back on a few years from now and go, I just wish I hadn't taken any of those opportunities that were presented to me because all of those opportunities are setting you up for success in some way. All right, Sasha, what's been going on in your life lately? I don't want to like be the stealer of all of your joy but i went to a marvel movie <gasps> oh was it thor yes and what did you think well yay i mean i love taika waititi i love tessa thompson so full of great actors and craftsmen and a cheesy little plot and a few special effects and i went with my girl and it was great ah i haven't even seen it yet so my daughter sam she went with her boyfriend and they saw it and I said, oh, can I come with you guys? It's quite a flex there that your that your daughter's got a boyfriend. Oh, I, I know. see what you did there. I know, nice. I know. But then I said, can I come with you guys? And, and she went, uh, nah. <laughs> oh, okay, so. I don't think anyone's listening anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you later.